My name is Brad, and I'm the leading, lead pastor here and, and one of the teaching pastors here. And we're starting a brand new series uh, this week called Prayers for Grown-Ups. And we're going to spend just a few weeks talking about prayer. And, and there's something about praying that, you know, it can get awkward at times, can it? I mean, you know, being a pastor, whenever, you know, we go to a, a, some kind of function, a, a family gathering, uh, a class reunion one time for me, uh, we're always asked to pray, and it can get a little bit challenging at times and get a little awkward. Maybe you're the same way. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you really don't like to go to a small group or some of the other church gatherings here and there, because you're afraid that someone may ask you to pray out loud, and you may do it wrong. And, you know, it just happens to all of us sometimes. As a matter of fact, we have an example of this. Watch this clip with me. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said grace in many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> if that is not what you want to hear after you pray, is that was interesting, too. Have, you know, anybody besides me, man, been, been there, done that. I mean, it just gets awkward at times, doesn't it? It kind of gets scary. And we kind of blow it. You know, we're in good company because the disciples actually had this same kind of feeling at times. And we're, that's what we're going to talk about actually today. But when we come to church, we expect to pray, don't we? we? You know, it's one of those settings that, yeah, obviously someone's going to pray sometime. And we just want to kind of get it right. And here is Jesus' inner circle listening to him. And, and they hear him pray a lot, but there must have been something the way Jesus prayed because they ask him, what the difference is. They ask him to teach them how to pray. And they must have been wondering, you know, do I do it wrong, kind of like Greg here, you know? And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 11, where they ask Jesus this question. And here's what it says. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So it must have been obviously something about the way Jesus prayed that, that intrigued them. That, because these guys had grown up. They had gone to rabbi school more than likely all the way through the age of at least 12. And they would have been grown up learning how to pray. 
They would have prayed the Psalms. They would have prayed some of the Old Testament, which they would have had memorized. They would have known these prayers that were taught to them that were handed down from generation to generation. But there was something different about the way Jesus did it, and they were wondering about that. And maybe you're the same way. Did you have a specific meal prayer that you said as a family maybe growing up? Or maybe a, a nighttime prayer? You know, that was, that was my experience when I grew up. And, and I don't know if anybody else knows this prayer or not, but when I, when I grew up, I remember my ter- parents teaching me this prayer. Anybody know this? Now I lay me. Anybody? Now, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Seriously? Teaching a six-year-old? You know, I mean, what are we thinking? You guys didn't even know that prayer, did you? Huh? Did, did, oh, yeah, one did. Of course you did. You know, I firmly believe that growing up with that prayer is the reason that my generation doesn't miss any church because we're afraid that we're not going to wake up someday, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's where it all started. But it is. We have these traditions. We learn to pray a certain way, don't we? And I think it's also interesting that Jesus, him, and experiencing how he prays and see how he connects with, with God. And, but Jesus doesn't say, hey, here's how you pray until they ask him what, the, what, what is going on. And I believe that Jesus is going to teach us something about prayer here. And I believe it can radically stretch us and challenge us in the way that, that we pray. And I really believe that these next few weeks that we may look at prayer differently and actually do prayer differently. Because my guess is there's some people here that have actually stopped praying because you haven't seen answers that you're wanting. That as you pray, you don't see God interacting with you and, and, and have this close relationship. And, and yeah, you pray some prayers, you know, that get answered all the time, like, you know, help me find my keys. I do that one a lot, you know. Or I would like to, to, to have a, a great parking spot, you know, when I finally pull into Kroger. And, and lo and behold, you have one of those front row spots. It's just amazing, isn't it? But then you realize that you're normally going to find your keys anyway. And that there are other people who didn't pray that got good spots also. But there's been times that you've prayed for things that you know that if God doesn't show up, it's just not going to happen. You've done everything you can. As a matter of fact, we have this line that we say all the time is that, well, all I can do now is pray. And we've exhausted all of our, our abilities, and now it's just up to God, and God doesn't show up. The marriage fails anyway. The diagnosis of the health just didn't go the way we wanted to. Someone close to us dies and God didn't show up and it starts crushing us to the point that we say you know why bother praying anymore if God's not going to answer that because prayer just doesn't work but yet there's still something about prayer that we've grown up in as as a Christ follower even when when we don't see God answering that we we still rely on that and even if you ask somebody who's not really a follower of Jesus about this whole prayer thing they they would honestly tell you yeah I don't believe in that whole God thing but when my back is up against the wall when nothing else is going to happen, I don't know where to turn to, many of them actually pray because there's something unique and there's something about prayer. It's just an instinct that we have. And so here are the disciples, these early Jesus followers. They grew up praying. They grew up knowing all these prayers. But after hearing Jesus, he knew, they knew there was something different, that there was this intimate relationship between him and God, that, that there was something special about it. There was something different. He talked to God at a whole other level, and they were intrigued, and they wanted that for themselves. And then in, in, in Jesus, in typical Jesus form, instead of telling them and answering the question, he actually tells them how not to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, here's where he starts. 
He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And we find that Jesus has no, <laughs> no tolerance for pretenders, for those people who thought they were special, those people who just wanted to put on a show. It wasn't what Jesus was all about. These, people weren't, these Pharisees were not humble at, in any means. They wanted, they wanted people to look at them as the spiritual giants at the time. All the knowledge they knew, all the, the good stuff, that they were living a life beyond anybody else. And then Jesus goes on and says, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And he links this word reward with prayer somehow. And, and, he, and he looks at, Pharisee, at the Pharisees and saying, They have already received their reward for what they're praying. They're getting exactly what they want. They have people thinking that they are important. How holy they were, but God himself was not impressed with them at all. And then Jesus goes on in verse 6 and says this. But when you pray, and I think that's where we want to kind of pause this next few weeks, but when you pray, and Jesus is going to talk to us about how we're going to pray, how he's going to lay it out. And hopefully it will change our mindset a little bit about how we actually pray. And the questions we have to ask ourselves is, when do we pray? When do we pray? Why do you pray? And where do you pray? And that's the point we're going to actually walk through here with Jesus. Where do you pray? And he goes on, verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And my guess is many of us don't do that. I mean, we, you may be thinking, well, what, you know, I pray sometimes when I'm driving to work. I pray when I'm out running. I don't pray when I'm out running because I'm never out running. And, you know, maybe when you're walking or doing all these other things, you say, well, I'm talking to God. Isn't that okay? Yes, it is okay. You can do that. But Jesus, I think, is setting us up for something that's very special. I think he's trying to tell us that there's, another, there's a, a, a way that we can do this, that we can have this intimate relationship with God the Father. So go into your room. There's something special about being in a private, closed, no distractions, talking to God. And he goes on and tells us to pray to the Father who is unseen. And his disciples in this first, this first generation would have said, you know, we don't typically have that kind of access. It was always through a priest. There was always something else. But when Jesus dies, the, the veil is torn, and now everyone has access to God directly. And I think it's so unique to them that they're amazed at this, and we just take, kind of take it for granted. But we get to talk to the unseen God, our heavenly Father, directly. And he talks about this closing the door, so doing it in private, in secret. And I believe it's because we, we can have this intimate time with, with God that we can tell him anything. We can, we can come in, in in our anger if we're angry and say, God, this is just how I'm feeling. We can come in in our distress, in our, in our, in our hurt, in our anguish, and pour ourselves out because it can be done in secret behind a closed door. And then the result of this the next verse, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And there's our word again. He compares, at first, the Pharisees who their only reward is, is for people around them to think that they're important, that they're getting all the reward they're ever going to get. But he says that we have a reward also if we go into our, our room and close the door in secret and, and bear ourselves to him. He sees us. Do you get that? He sees us. Us lowly, what do we deserve? And here is God the Father seeing us and hearing us. 
And then he goes back to tell us also what not to do in verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And we find out that repetition doesn't move God, that the right words do not move God. Jesus tells a, a parable in Luke, Luke chapter 8 about this Pharisee who comes in and this tax collector, a sinner, the lowest of the lows in society that day. And, and this Pharisee comes in and he starts praying to God and tells him how, how amazing he is and he's so glad that he is not like those other sinners, like this tax collector that is also here. And the tax collector comes in and says, have mercy on me, Lord, because I am a sinner. And that's the end of the prayer. And Jesus says, that's the prayer that God hears this intimate bearing your soul one-on-one prayer to God and then there's this game-changing statement that (laughs) that I think sometimes we we've read this and and just kind of gloss over it he says do not be like them the people who just want to do it for show and the people who just babble on don't do it like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him Let that sink in for just a little bit. Your father already knows everything that's on your mind, everything that's on your heart, everything that you need before you even ask him. And you start thinking, well, of course he does because he's omniscient. He knows and sees everything. He's God. But it honestly creates some tension in us, doesn't it? Because if he already knows, then why do we pray? And why do we even ask him? Why do we already tell him? Why inform him? Why do we pray at all? And my guess is the disciples, by asking this question, it's kind of wrecking their perception of what prayer really is. And my guess for some of us, it's wrecking our perception of what prayer, because what we've done is we've turned it into just a bunch of requests that we come in with our laundry list of this is what I need, our shopping list. Our concept is, is, oh, Heavenly Father, here's what I need. It's a game changer, isn't it? And I think what Jesus is saying is there's something much more deep in this whole prayer relationship with God than this laundry list of of all these ask. We're missing something. It's not about me. (laughs) It's not about what I want. Then what is it about? And Jesus is finally going to answer the question. And here's what he says. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. And many of us know this prayer. We've actually recited this prayer so many times because it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And, and we've gone to gatherings and, and, and what have you, and people say, well, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but I don't believe that's what Jesus had intended for this. It wasn't pray these words. It was understand the concepts that I'm going to tell you and teach you. And so we're just going to walk through these. And he says, our Father in heaven. Jesus is inviting us into something special here, a relationship with the almighty God, the one who hung all the stars, placed all the planets, everything. He's inviting us into this intimate relationship with him that we can actually talk to him. And the best description that Jesus has come up, the best metaphor he has is to liken God as a, a perfect father, our heavenly father. And, and one that, you know, if, if you think about fathers who are, are perfect, who love their children, who do anything they can for them, who, who, who would die for them. 
that, that when, they're, when they're anxious, he comes alongside of them. When they're disgruntled, he comes alongside of them. When they're, when they're joyous, he comes and celebrates with them. He gives them high fives. That kind of father, it's amazing, isn't it? But I understand also there's some of you out here probably that they're saying, you know, I, don't, I, I can't grasp that because I didn't have that kind of father. I had an absent father. I had one that didn't really show me a lot of love. And God is inviting you into that kind of relationship. If you didn't receive it here on earth, God is saying, hey, go into your room, close your door. I want to be that kind of father for you. It's amazing, isn't it? And I think what happens is that if we can embrace that kind of relationship, that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is calling us to, our father in heaven. And then what he says next, I, I just can't, I can't explain enough or over-exaggerate the importance of this next line. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think what Jesus is asking us to do is just pause for a second and understand who we are talking to. We are in such a rush sometimes, even in our prayer time. I know I am. If I'm praying when I'm driving, what have you, I don't stop and pause and, and realize not only who I'm talking to, but um, the amazing there's no comparison. We sing about it all the time. There's no rival. No one compares to our heavenly Father. What an honor it is for us. And we get to humble ourselves and say there's nothing more important than you. And to, for us to know that we are loved and seen by that God. And that he cares for us so much. Even with all our mistakes, with all of our faults, with all the things we've ever done wrong, he still loves us, and wants us to have that kind of relationship with him. Do you see the importance of this intimacy of getting alone and closing the door and stopping and pausing and acknowledging God for who he is? There's a time for praying when you're walking. There's a time for praying when you're driving. But there's something unique and special about what Jesus is inviting us and how to pray this. And if we don't get this, what we've done is we've reduced... God to nothing more than a good luck charm, a rabbit's foot, or a genie in a lamp that we get to rub and say, here's my request, here's all the things that I want. As we're rushing out the door to take that test and saying, God, hey, I got a test today. Hey, God, I've got an interview today. Hey, God, I got a presentation today. Could you just help me? And all of a sudden, it's just this laundry list, and we've missed this intimate part of our relationship with who Jesus is. Can you imagine that? And we honestly, for those of you who have children, you know, we, we experience this at times when life is so busy and it just seems like all your children want is, hey, Dad, can I have gas money? Hey, we're going to go do this and I need this and I need, I need this for school. And there's just this laundry list. And, and you're thinking, where's the love? And I believe sometimes that's how God feels about us when we treat him the very same way. And Jesus isn't done yet. <laughs> he goes on in verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And let's just be honest, I don't start like this. You know, we get to, to my will, <laughs> to my laundry list, to what I want. You know, I'm too busy building my kingdom to think about the kingdom that, that he is actually building. You know, what about my job? What about my family? What about my bills? What about all these things, my health? What about this fear that I have? What about all these things? You know, what about my laundry list of things? And Jesus would say this. Don't you remember what I just told you? I already covered that. 
your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him. I truly believe that what Jesus is trying to get us to do is have the right posture. This is all about us having the right posture as we approach him. Yes, there's all these things that we would like for him to work out for us or do for us. But he's saying, I already know that. God already knows that. Just stop and pause and realize who I am and enter into that kind of relationship with me. Because when we take our time to pause and recenter who we are talking with, all of a sudden, all of those things pale in comparison. And we start thinking about him first. In your agenda, not my agenda. Because let's just face it, our kingdom pales in comparison to his kingdom. And in just a few verses, verses down in Matthew, he's actually going to say, just seek first my righteousness and my kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. Again, it's all about the right pressure. It's not about us. The purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with God's will. The purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with God's purpose, not our purpose. And the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it to him. And again, that's where that different posture comes in, where we get to a place where before we ask anything, we say, God, it doesn't matter. What I want is what you want. Whatever you want of me, the answer is yes, no matter what. And we see a perfect example of this. Jesus gives us the example in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's going to be crucified, and he takes his disciples with him to start praying, and he prays for hours on end to the point that he's so stricken with grief, he's sweating blood. And, he, and he's praying, and, and he, I think he's trying to get himself in the position where God is about your will and not mine. And he, he prays, no, this is not the path I want to go down. I, I would like it to go a different way, but God, if, if it's your will, I will do it your way. It's a different kind of posture. I love what a pastor we, we follow, Andy Stanley, says it this way. Prayer is not about moving God, but being moved by God. It's not about convincing him to do our bidding, but allowing us to get to the place where we are willing to do his. It's amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine if we started praying like that? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to close here in just a little bit with another, another song. But, but let's just be honest. Many times when we pray, it, it really is about our kingdom, that we are seeking our kingdom. It's about my agenda, not God's agenda. But we've got to just continue to remember that God knows our wants and he knows our needs before we even ask him. What he really wants is our hearts. For us to lay down our lives and saying, it is all about you. And we can pray, your kingdom come right now. Where do I fit in to your kingdom? I think that's the question that he's asking us to get to. And so often what we do is, is, is we build our own kingdoms. We have our own plans. We have our own unique things we want to do. And what we do is we invite God into those plans. And it needs to come the actually opposite way. It's not about our plans, God. It's about your plans and where do I fit into them, not you fit into my plans. And it will change everything. So my challenge for you this week 
is to find some time in a quiet place, shut the door, and have this intimate talk with God every day. And it doesn't have to be long. It can just be a couple of minutes, but just to clear your mind and, and start this intimate relationship that he's asking us to do. An informal, short, short talk of talking to your heavenly Father. To stand in awe of his greatness and his amazing ability, in his goodness and his love that he has for all of us. And ask him to help you seek his will today, not yours. His kingdom, not yours. His priorities, not yours. We're going to sing this next song, and, and maybe some of you know it. It's about running to the Father. And see, we can't have this kind of relationship unless we first start a relationship with him and run to him. And understanding and knowing how he wants to have that kind of relationship with him. So I want you just to listen and sing along if, if you know it. But let these words penetrate you and just have God speak to you. I want to just read you the very first lines we're going to sing. It says, I've carried a burden for too long on my own. Many of you are carrying all kinds of burdens that you can't handle. You're not designed to handle on your own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. Nope, you weren't. I hear your invitation to let it all go. Yeah, I see it now. I'm laying down and I know that I need you. That's where it all starts, is us running to our Heavenly Father where He has open arms and He'll take us in and help us navigate this thing we do called life. He's got this. Would you pray with me? Father, we do pause. <laughs> so often I just come to you and it is about my kingdom, not yours. So we pause today and we stand in awe of who you are, of how you move, of how you love us, of how you care for us, of who you are in control of everything, that you know everything that we need before we even ask. So God, I just pray that you prepare our hearts. And for those of us who need to start again, that today as we sing this, we would just run to you so that you can renew us and we can start afresh again. It's in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I'll run to the Father Again and again and again and again Son for redemption, the price for my heart. I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. All I know is I. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, my heart has been. Regardless of whatever you've experienced for the entirety of up until now, you can start fresh.
And I truly believe as we've been making an emphasis on prayer for the remainder of 2021 and then to continue into the new year that there is something powerful about spending intimate time with Jesus. And if you're like me in the last couple of months, you maybe have gotten out of routine and you're looking to get back into that, to run back to Jesus and to say, hey, starting today, I'm going to spend one minute, five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour of my time by myself with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. You're invited to do that. And so I just want to give you that invitation, just like Brad did, to emphasize this week, no matter what the previous days have looked like, that you can start fresh today, committing to a life of prayer of journaling, of walking, of emphasizing your relationship with God. And it can start right now.